0: Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. You are listening to the Service Business Mastery Podcast, and I'm your host, Tersh Blissett. This podcast is for service business owners, managers, and technicians who are considering becoming business owners themselves. So for those of you who aren't sure, most of the times when we consider a service business as somebody who crosses the threshold of either a business or a residence. So if you're a garage door operator or a plumber or electrician or an HVAC technician like myself, So I'm super excited about today's episode. Our guest for today is Steve Gordon. He's the best-selling author, the founder of the Unstoppable CEO, and the host of the Unstoppable CEO podcast. It's a really good podcast. I've listened to tons of episodes myself. He's written over 400 articles on marketing for service businesses. Through his firm, he helps service business entrepreneurs create leveraged marketing systems so they can spend less time on business development and more time on what matters the most. When he was just 28, Steve became the CEO of an engineering consulting firm, but he knew nothing about the marketing side or selling services. 12 years later, after growing that firm's revenue by 10x, Steve started a second business, consulting with businesses from across 30 industries. These industries include marketing, professional services, construction, and consulting to design sales, marketing, and referral systems for high-tickets and high-trust products and services. He's here to share what he's learned throughout his journey and to help you attract your ideal clients and achieve the business goals you've been dreaming of. The topic we're gonna cover today is uh, four ways to overcome the biggest challenges in growing slash attracting clients when you're a service-based business. Super excited because we also threw in a little bit of referral marketing in there. We're probably gonna have to have him back on to just do an episode of Referral Marketing. He's so well-versed in it. Uh, He even has a book that he wrote about uh, Referral Marketing. Also, there may be a few people who have to cut this episode off short simply because you've arrived at your service call or um, wherever you're you're headed to. For those of you who have to cut it off, don't forget to turn it back on. (laughs) But I wanna let you know, uh, you can reach out to Steve Gordon at unstoppableceo.net. Slash SBM for Service Business Mastery, and I won't give away everything, but I will let you know there are some golden eggs about three quarters of the way down on that landing page. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started with this interview. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, Church, great to be here. So on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the four ways to overcome the biggest challenges. Um, and growing slash attracting clients whenever you're a service based business uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and and how you came up with those those kind of topics uh, those those four ways
1: well sure yeah the the way that that I, I discovered these I don't know that discovered yeah. is even the right word <laughs> um, it's just just a lot of observation so I've worked with um, a lot of service businesses over the last Eight years that uh, I've owned a, a marketing agency. Uh, before mm-hmm. that, my, my background is actually engineering, um, so I, I owned a, an engineering consulting firm mm-hmm. uh, for about twelve years. Before that, and just found that I really enjoyed the, the sales and marketing side. And you know, throughout all of that, I you know just observed that there are four places where service businesses tend to break down when. They, you know, when, when you start talking about how do we attract new clients and customers? Um, mm-hmm. and, and if you can fix those things and, you know, put focus on them and fix them, then you can smooth out the experience that most service businesses have, which is we, you know, go and do a lot of, of marketing or business development, whatever you want to call it, get real busy. Then we ignore the business development while we're feverishly working to complete all of those projects and mm-hmm. only to find that now the pipeline is empty when we run out of those projects and so we just ride this roller coaster up and down and you know some people do it through their whole careers and it can be really frustrating you never feel like you get momentum you know every time you think you've got the the business humming then you take two steps backwards and so if you can focus on on the four things that we're going to talk about here you'll solve much of those uh, much of the the problems that you run into
0: Cool. So, before we get started, a little bit about you, um, your your history, and your being a CEO of the engineering uh, consulting firm. Were now were you an engineer, or did you go in to that firm as something else, and then became the C, worked your way up the CEO, or or uh, could you tell us a little bit about that, how how that happened?
1: Yeah. So we were in a really tiny little discipline of engineering called geomatics, and uh, that's actually the field that my degree is in. Okay. Uh, and so i started you know just right out of school as uh you know kind of an entry-level person on a professional track um mm-hmm. and it was a small firm i think i was the 10th or 11th employee in and, and just was lucky enough to be mentored by the founder and and he kind of took me under his wing and taught me everything about the business and and four years later I, he was kind of getting to the point where he was I think ready to begin his exit plan, which Uh ultimately we spent about eight years through that transition. But uh, yeah, I was I was really really lucky and and got a fantastic opportunity at the age of twenty eight and got got to run that firm. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny you mentioned that because uh, you go from an engineering mindset to a almost you're obviously a sales mindset, and a lot of a lot of people struggle with that that transition completely i mean you're going from your technician role to a manager's role to an entrepreneur type role if you're you know followed like the e-myth type stuff but i have a lot of friends that are engineers we have um, um airspace plant here the uh, Gulfstream airspace and the airplanes and so there's tons of engineers around us and whenever they're transitioning from the technical side over to the management side there's this huge transition that I I know that even Gulfstream goes through, and a lot of engineers they just can't make that transition. They have they'll they'll start it and then go back to being an engineer um, because it's a it's a pretty difficult process.
1: Well, you you go from dealing in a world where everything works based on a formula,
0: right? To, you have absolutes, <laughs> yeah,
1: to dealing with people, which is about the most unpredictable thing you can do on the planet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's challenging. It, it requires a different mindset. Um, and I, I was probably better in that, that second role, you know, dealing with the people and on the sales side and all that. I didn't know a whole lot about how to do it. So yeah. there was a definite learning curve there, but probably more comfortable on that side than on, uh, on the more technical side.
0: Really? Do you attribute any of that to, um, not being an engineer for say 30 years? and then try and transition or you just think that's your personality in general?
1: Uh, I, th- I think that's kind of the way that, that I'm, um, I'm geared more towards, gotcha. you know, being, being out and being around people. But um, you know, it, w- when I look at how I got into that career path, it was largely a lot of luck and, and circumstance, you know, um, yeah. I didn't. I certainly didn't start off in college that way. I think I had thirteen majors in college, so I wasn't quite quite <laughs> sure which direction I wanted to go. And and uh, it was it was time to decide. And and this happened to be there, and and I enjoyed uh, yeah. it and had a great time with it. But uh, cool. I, I tell people it took me until I was like thirty nine to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew, grew up. And <laughs> um, and sometimes I still question that. So.
0: Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm a serial entrepreneur because I, I still haven't decided what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's get started. So, um, the four ways the, to overcome these challenges, uh, let's get started with with number one.
1: Yeah. So uh, the, the number one thing, if you take nothing else away from, from what we're going to talk about today, but this it's, it's focus, um, mm-hmm. and a, and a particular kind of focus. So when, when we get a new client in our firm, it's it's usually a service business owner who has built the business. They've had some success. They've, you know, it, it's a functioning business. It's not a startup. And oftentimes right. they've been around for, you know, maybe even a decade, but they, they kind of stall. And oftentimes the reason that they stall is because, you know, when you start a business, you will take any project that presents itself, Mm -hmm, right? Absolutely. You need the cash. You got to keep the lights on just to to get the business off the ground. Well, that tends to then turn into a habit where every time you get any opportunity, you're going to figure out a way to make it work. It's kind of the entrepreneurial spirit. But Mm -hmm. what we found is that the businesses that grow from that kind of struggling stage to really being able to to have long-term growth and consistent growth are the ones that focus in on a specific type of customer or client that they serve. And so
0: they, they dive down deep into a niche of some sort?
1: Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a, you know, w- when you say niche, that usually scares people. I mean, they think, oh, yeah, I hear <laughs> yeah. that all the time. But, you know, somebody walked in in my building with money and I, I want to take it. I get that you should take it. Um, what we're talking about is, at least in the beginning, is is only really to change the way that you're communicating with the marketplace. So yes. at the yep. beginning, you're still going to take all the business that you need, and you're going to mm-hmm. start this transition towards being more focused. and um, And you do that by first defining what we call your ideal client, and mm-hmm. and that's the the type of client or customer that is most profitable for you, that gets the best results from the work that you do, that gives you joy and you give them joy to work together. Um, and and so when you really think about who that is, and you you you've probably already got some of these people that you're working mm-hmm. with that, you know, they're in your customer base. So identifying those people, trying to figure out what they have in common, and it may be You know, a lot of people think of niche as sort of a a demographic quality. I'm going to go after, you know, a a particular group of businesses or a particular group of individuals, you know, based on some observable quality about them. So, you know, you might on the construction side, a lot of times it's, I'm going to go after commercial construction and then I'm going to niche further Mm -hmm. into, well, I'm going to do healthcare and I could niche Mm -hmm. further and say, well, I'm only going to do surgery centers, right? So that's one way to do it. The other way to do it, which often is more powerful, but it's admittedly a little more difficult, is to niche down by the mindset of the buyer. And mm. when you begin niching down by the mindset of the buyer, uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. But when you begin doing that, the benefit of doing that is you can begin to select clients that are willing to pay a premium because they value what you do more than others. Um, mm. And I I first discovered this back when I was running my first company, you know, we had a client for 25 years. They were, they, they were one of the first clients of that business. And, uh, and that client was, they were a fantastic client, big um, developer. And my contact there, who was sort of their head of, of land development and engineering, he would tell me, yeah, I, I get approached like twice a month by your competitors.
0: Hmm.
1: And they're always less expensive than you. And he turned them away for 25 years.
0: That really says something about offering that value versus the that price and finding that that customer.
1: Well, and and it, it wasn't anything we did to create that. It was that okay. he he already believed in the idea of you know, I'm gonna buy uh, value for money. Okay. I'm gonna when I go out and hire this type of in our case you know consultant
0: mm-hmm.
1: that it's worth it to me to spend more to take away future problems and he already thought like that before he hired us
0: right so how do you find people that think like that <laughs>
1: well that's the job of marketing
0: okay all right
1: and so when you go out and you talk to the marketplace depending on how you talk to them you can attract those kind you know that kind of people but but you've got to be first aware of what you want. Mm -hmm. And not everybody, not every business may want that, but, but you got to be aware of what you want. And then you've got to kind of conduct yourself accordingly as you go out and communicate with the market. So if you're going out and constantly doing nothing, but bidding on work, bidding on work, bidding on work, Mm -hmm. and you're not adding any value prior to the bid, the bid process, then all you're ever going to do is attract the, the lowest common denominator, right? You're going to be stuck in that mm-hmm. mode. So, and, and that's okay. That's one approach to business. There's lots of, of ways to skin the cat, but mm-hmm. uh, the point is focus, be intentional about what you want. And, um, and then you reverse engineer. How do we go get them?
0: Yeah. So I like the point that you brought up that you may be doing work for these people already. Uh, a lot of times I, th- I like to think about it, like the 80, 20 rule and, and all that. So that uh, the people that they, uh, they give you the 20% of your hassle and give you 80% of your revenue. That type of people, that's your perfect avatar. Uh, you may be doing work for these people, and these are the people that you love doing work for, and you, you hardly ever hear from them other than whenever you they have that w- immediate problem, you go solve it, and they're happy with you. And so just finding more people just like that, focusing in on that target avatar or that target uh, customer is number one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and if you think about it, that simplifies... All of the work that you're going to do on the marketing and sales side of the business, and uh, and and when you instead simplify, of, it instead like of that, trying to,
0: instead of you're trying to find a, or or reach out to everyone. So instead of advertising to every single person, only advertise to your target audience. And then, if someone else comes along with them, then uh, that's kind of just bonus for it. If somebody says, if if you ask them who your target customer is, and they say everybody, then that then it means nobody. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's just it. Well, and it's got it's got benefits on the operational side of the business too. So, in in our work with our clients, we have a, a done for you marketing offer. So, clients mm-hmm. come in, we'll we'll do um, some specific things within their marketing for them. And you know, and, and when we first offered that, we had a broader definition of who our ideal client was for that. We've since mm. narrowed it and narrowed it and narrowed it. And what it allows us to do is, is only to work in those situations where we know we're going to hit an absolute home run for the client. And it allows for our systems to get better and better and better at serving that type of client because our efforts aren't diffused all over the place. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. It makes total sense, total sense completely. I agree. So how about um, topic number two?
1: Yeah. So once you understand who the ideal client is, then, then the, the next thing to focus on is, is creating demand for your business. And I know that seems like really obvious, but (laughs) I don't see very many businesses really doing it. And, and this idea of, of creating demand, I think is, is central to what you're doing in business. And yet we often get distracted and focused on the work that we're actually doing. And I know that's important, but you can't stop creating demand. Demand mm-hmm. solves virtually every business problem. It solves your pricing problems. Uh, it solves your utilization problems. It, it it just fixes everything. It gives you choices about the customers that you take. And one of the things that I hear a lot um, from, from business owners is that, they get, particularly in service businesses where sometimes it's difficult to scale, they get a little worried when they're kind of at capacity mm-hmm. and there are still people coming towards them wanting work. And yeah,
0: and say, saying no to those people is really hard.
1: It is well, and and you really start. You know, when I look at them, I, I just kind of scratch my head. I'm like, no, you just now. What you want to do is you've got mm-hmm. some momentum. You want to really put the pedal down. This is the time to increase your fees so that you're making more and working less. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're going to work for fewer clients or customers and that's okay, but you're probably mm-hmm. going to be more profitable in doing that. Um, and you'll be able to invest more in both the experience that your customers have and in and uh, marketing to go and get more like them. And I, I don't care what kind of business you're in. I mean, I know you work with uh, you know a lot of folks HVAC and, and, and some of those industries, you can have the sort of standard contractor experience, or you can have an amazing experience for your customers.
0: Just blow them away.
1: Yeah. And, and so the only way you can really do that is to create enough demand that you're creating enough profit that you can invest in that kind of experience. So.
0: You're able to afford to, to give them over and above service, and then you can spend the time handwriting a thank you letter to someone who spent $15,000 whenever your average ticket price is, you know, used to be $8,000. Uh, but you, now you have more time to, to do those, those small touches. Yeah.
1: So, so let's talk about how to create demand because that's probably the question that's on everybody's mind. The, the Absolutely. Mistake, <laughs> yeah. The mistake that I see every, everybody making today is because we've got like a, a billion different ways to market a business right now with all the social media and. SEO mm-hmm. and pay-per-click, all these different options that once someone begins to look at, at how they market their business, they, they suddenly feel like they need to do all of those things. Yeah. And that, number one, it becomes a little bit overwhelming. But, but two, oh, yeah. it, it, it really, it, it thins out your effort. It diffuses your effort. And what you end up doing is, is a lot of thin marketing. Where you're dabbling in a lot of different things, but not really making any progress. Mm. And so, what what we would tell someone is, look, pick one, maybe two ways to begin with. Particularly if you're not doing a lot of different business development right now, pick one or two ways and master them within your business. Master them, whether you as the owner are the one mastering them, or you're leading the effort and you have a you know a team of people that are handling sales and marketing for you and that they master them. But, but pick one or two.
0: You're saying either pick pay-per-click or pick LSA or pick one social media platform, or you're saying either pick uh, social or pick SEO or pick radio, or can you explain that a little bit?
1: Yeah, no, I'm saying pick, pick one. Like, so pick, if you're going to do, pay-per-click Facebook focus, you know, Hey, I'm going to okay. do Facebook. Um, okay, because that, I mean, that could be a full-time job in and of itself.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. agree. hundred percent.
1: Um, most often, I mean, for most service businesses, their biggest opportunity is in referrals because they do a horrible job at referrals. And if you yeah. mastered <laughs> getting new leads through referral,
0: mm-hmm. most
1: of the time, that's all you'd ever need. Um, you know, and so, so you can, you can start right there. You don't have to make any giant investment. Uh, um, are you
0: saying ask, ask your current customers for referrals or go to like a, a networking, like a, a BNI type referral thing? Well,
1: b- both of those things can work. Um, okay. I, I've done them both in the past. Um, uh, in, in fact, uh, about five years ago, I wrote a book called unstoppable referrals where I actually. Talked about a little bit of a different approach to it. Um, oh, cool. And really the the challenge with most referrals is that all you do is you show up with a selfish ask. Hey, you know, Mr. Customer, do you know anyone that needs, you know, what I just sold you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And most of the time they don't. And, and really what you're doing is you're ad- abdicating the most important job in your business, which is prospecting, to... Mm-hmm an unpaid and untrained sales force called your customers. Mm -hmm. And that generally doesn't work out very well. So in the book, um, you know, we, we lay out a plan to be more intentional about how you get referrals and remove all of the risk out of it. Because in the old way of doing referrals, you know, when you ask, Hey, do you know anybody? And you leave it at that. If one of your customers is going to bring someone to you as a referral, they know that, the first interaction that the two of you have is called a sales meeting. Mm -hmm. And they also know that the only way we measure success in that meeting is if you sell something to their friend. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: there's a ton of risk there for the customer that may want to help you. Right. If you can remove that risk and make it easy for them to pass you on, you can actually multiply the number of referrals you get. Uh, You just have to change the way you think about what a good referral is most of us right now think about a really good referral as being somebody who has checkbook in hand ready to buy (laughs) and we can you know install it next week
0: we could do a whole a whole podcast episode on just just on the referrals because this is such a hot, hot topic for all of us i mean the fact that you you mentioned asking your customer most of the times it's other than like your, your one man shops that are the service tech and your manager and your CEO and all that, uh, most of the times you're going to have a service tech that's in there and they're not even as passionate about the business as you are. So getting, convincing a service tech to ask that customer for that referral, um, I find is even more difficult than me asking for referrals or oh, reviews for that matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah well the our simple approach is is to remove that pressure of the sales meeting as mm-hmm. as the first interaction and and remove the idea that we're going to get with every referral somebody who's pretty much you know 90% pre-sold that we're okay oh, wow. just using it as lead generation yeah, yeah yeah and then we'll do the job of taking them from somebody who has some interest or has some problem and taking them down the path of turning them into a customer because that's really our job. That's not our customer's job. Absolutely. Um, and so when you make that shift, now you you can put a whole lot more um, control over that whole process. The way that we do that is we use information. And so yeah. what we'll tell our clients to do is, you know, create, t- take what you would normally tell someone to educate them, you know, about what you do and, and, Um, and help them sort of make a decision to solve whatever problem it is that you solve, just package that up, put it into a short little report, put it into a short book. We had one client do it. Uh, He put it into a book and calling it a book is being extremely generous. It was 12 (laughs) type pages in Microsoft Word, right? It got formatted as a book.
0: Well, that's a, that's a book to me. I don't, your books, I don't think I could write them unless I had somebody else transcribe it Well, me yeah, write, but, saying something.
1: <laughs> but the point is it doesn't need to be war and peace, right? It, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. You
1: know, if you can take some of your existing sales and marketing material and sort of organize it and uh, and focus on the problem that they're facing right now mm-hmm. and the consequences of not dealing with that problem right away, Uh, And then move them into what a solution might be, which ultimately will lead to them booking an appointment with you to find out about your services. If you can do something like that, that is in and of itself valuable to Mm -hmm. the potential client that receives it. And you go to one of your happy customers and say, look, I just put this report together that really is designed to help people who had the same problem that you have when you came to work with us. And I'm just really passionate about getting this out to as many people as I can. Can we sit down together and brainstorm, you know, five or 10 people that you think would benefit from having this?
0: Hmm.
1: And by having that little conversation, you'd be amazed at how excited people are to help you because you just gave them an easy way. They already like you. You already did a good job for them, but they don't want to go try and convince someone to come meet with you. It's too much.
0: Yeah, no, I agree so, hundred yeah. percent. And, and like you said, it's a, it's a huge risk for them on their behalf. Uh, if they, if, if you go in and you're trying to sell them something immediately and then that, that relationship isn't a perfect match, then it might tarnish their relationship as friends.
1: Absolutely. But for them to pass on a short little book, you know, like we talked about the little 12 page book or, mm-hmm. A, a report or some other thing that, that it would be valuable There there's no risk in that.
0: How long do you think is the average time spent doing something like that, um, on the owner's behalf or the, the business's behalf for you something mean- of value? So like they, cause I can, I can, if I was listening to this, I think my question would be, that sounds really awesome, but like, I only have a limited amount of time right now to work on it because I'm trying to put out these other fires.
1: You mean to put the piece of information together?
0: Yeah. 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 Have you, do you know about how much time they they're spending on this? And I mean, is it like, a whenever you've seen like the book, obviously it was 12 pages, but does it look like super duper professional or, uh, can you tell that it's something that, that he did himself or does that matter to the customer? Do you think, uh, whenever they're looking at that?
1: Certainly if you can make it look a little bit polished, that helps, but not, Uh that's not always necessary. Okay. I forget. I, I used to live, uh, down in, uh, in South Florida and we did a, a renovation project an add on of a covered patio on the back of our house and, um, and had to hire a, a contractor. And the guy we hired specialized in just doing those additions. He did like one project at a time and uh-huh. he had something like this. It was long before mm. I ever wrote this book. Uh, Hmm. and it was probably maybe eight, 10 pages Hmm. and it talked about the process of, you know, that he was going to go through that, you know, if we worked with him, you know, first there's going to be a little bit of planning and then we're going to draw up a plan. Then Uh we're going to do this and then that, and then this, and then there was a whole other section that answered all of the questions that he probably got asked during the sales process, like for contractors, are you insured? Do you use subs? Do you make a lot of noise? Do you leave my, <laughs> right. you know, my yard a mess during the construction? And all of this stuff. And he answered all of those in there. Um, Any yeah, good answering, answers?
0: Answering those unasked questions.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and so you can do it just like that. I mean, he, I could see him putting that together in a weekend or maybe in a day going, you know, if I were to do it now. I'd go to a coffee shop and knock it out in a day. And yeah, that's a lot of time. But if you think of the long-term benefits, I would guess he's probably still using that same report unchanged. And it's now 12 years later. You know, so you build this asset in, in the business, and that sold us because we talked to several other people, and we didn't, you know, it was just like the normal contractor experience where somebody shows up your house, talks to you a little bit, they're not dressed super professionally, (laughs) you know, not even on the back
0: of a business card. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, (laughs) so we had a a few of those experiences and then we had this, if I were to advise that guy now, I'd say, well, at the end of the job, you need to come back, you know, to your customer and say, Hey, would you mind, here's some extra copies of this. Could we sit down and, and, you know, can you, can you think of some people who are considering doing a, a remodel job? Would you mind giving this to them?
0: That's cool. Yeah. I, I really like that. And you, and you make a great point. Sit, so, you know, take some time and sit down at the coffee shop and, and bust it out real fast. I did something like that, similar to that a couple of years ago and put it on our website. So, uh, because in our industry, I feel like that's the, one of the biggest fears is the unknown, um, as far as the consumer goes. And so I wanted to answer all those questions and actually go through basically exactly like what you just said. And I laid out the entire process. If you need financing, we're going to go through that portion of it. If you don't need financing, then this is, this will be the next step of the process. Um, and so people don't have to ask you if you have financing or financing available. Um, then they just already know that it's there. So yeah, yeah. I, that's really cool. And I need to pull that out and start using it because I did spend a couple, you know, a couple hours developing that. And, and I, i made a blog post and then I, I just have, it's disappeared in the the blog post world.
1: Well, the, the thing that that does for a potential client, and, and this is why it's so valuable is that, you know, they've already got all this stuff swirling around in their heads and, what it does is it gives them confidence that you have a system that you've thought this through.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: in almost every business, the thing that we're ultimately selling is confidence that, yeah. you know, that the client, the customer has confidence that you can do what what you're saying you're going to do. And one way that you can demonstrate your ability to do that is by having a process and, and laying it out. And uh, that's what this guy did. Sounds like that's what you've done. You know, and, and so it doesn't have to be an elaborate document to begin with. Mm-hmm. It can grow over time, but it, it really can be invaluable. And it's a way to multiply your business development efforts. So, um, and, and that yeah, gets like to the point of creating demand. And what will happen over time is, so let's say this contractor guy that I worked with had asked me that, and I got mm-hmm. 10 copies of those out. Mm-hmm. Would he have gotten 10 projects right away? No, of course not. Right. Would he have maybe gotten one that year? Probably just law of averages, right? But Mm -hmm. he would have planted 10 seeds. And I would venture to guess that over the next five to 10 years, he'd have done business with at least half of those people. And so now Mm -hmm. if you multiply that by everyone that you work with and you get five or 10 of those out, you're planting all these seeds. You Mm -hmm. know, if that's something that where I knew, hey, we wanted to do an addition at some point in the future. And I got one of those from somebody that I trust. I'd have kept it, I'd have stuck it somewhere and I would have gone and dug it out and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and had it at the right time. And so doing things like that, while they don't seem like they're creating a lot of demand in the moment, they will often create such demand that over time, you just have this constant, continual, steady flow of new business from s- seeds that you planted years ago. And so, yeah, I, I, to me, that's a critical move.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. So how about number three?
1: So number three is, um, and again, this is like a blinding flash of the obvious, but relationships. Um, one of the things that that we've seen over the last probably five to seven years is that you see a lot of people trying to use social media, to create relationships and they are not, focusing as much on building real business relationships with people and letting those relationships kind of develop and and go deep um, and looking for ways to, to really um, work together and and create, uh, you know, sort of, you know, these, these business teams almost, I don't don't know if that's Mm -hmm. the right word, but thinking back to the, the, you know, my first business, we had about, half a dozen complementary businesses that were either contractors that we worked on a lot of projects with or um, were in other disciplines of either engineering or land planning or, or, you know, something related, Mm -hmm. but not competitive. And, you know, we were like our own little mafia, you know, Um, if if anyone got a project, almost everybody got a project.
0: Right. The little, the dirty dozen. Yeah. And, <laughs> all, and it's all run around together.
1: We, yeah. We had such great relationships and, um, and taking the time to really foster those can be huge. Um, I mean, that business was grown almost exclusively on the back of those relationships. Um, and, and I think cool. people, people stress way too much over where am I going to spend my advertising money and, you know, should I, should i do facebook ads or google ads or all of this and and often the fastest path to the money is really just to go find the right small group of people that you need to become friends with uh, yeah and, and
0: also uh, i'd like to add one thing to that <clears throat> if there's anybody in that group that is only a a uh, gimme 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 person they they need to be evicted from your group <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I, and, and often that stuff just kind of takes care of itself, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah.
1: Um, and so I, I think that that's been kind of downplayed with the growth of internet marketing. And we do a lot of internet marketing. Um, mm-hmm. It's It's got its place and its purpose. But if you want to look at foundational stuff, particularly if you're in a service business and and you're working in a relatively small geographic area, it's it's easy to do that. But even like in our business, We've got clients all over the world and the the reason that we continue to, to develop really good client relationships and have lots of people sent to us is because I've gone out and built these, you know, relationships and I can probably, you know, it's probably fewer than 20 people.
0: Oh yeah. You know, Very cool. that,
1: that I can attribute that stuff to. So that's the third.
0: I like it. I like it. I like it. So then how about number four?
1: So the fourth is, uh, admittedly the most difficult for most people to implement is follow up
0: <laughs> oh uh, my gosh yes so much so <laughs> yes guilty 100% yeah, um,
1: right and the the reason that people don't follow up in fact i'm 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 writing a book now on follow up um mm. and and we're going to lay out some kind of blueprints for how to do it but The reason most people don't follow up is because they don't know what to say other Mm -hmm. than, you know, I I gave you an estimate, I gave you a proposal, I'm just checking in on that, which isn't really helpful. You know, if you can approach this in stages, there's sort of three steps to sort of the evolution of follow up. And the first is right now, most important thing that, that you could do is begin to build a database if you don't have one. Begin to collect contact information for anyone who ever contacts your business and has any kind of interest in having you work for them, whether they do business with you or not. And often what will happen in in small businesses is you'll capture information from the people who ultimately pay you
0: because Mm -hmm.
1: you've got to bill them, right? Yep. But if they call and have interest, but never move forward or they call and have interest and go with a competitor. It's like we get sad and depressed that they didn't pick us
0: <laughs>
1: and we give up.
0: Yeah. But completely.
1: Yeah. But they, they liked something about you enough to contact you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And even if they go with a competitor, you you never know when they're going to have a bad experience with a competitor. Absolutely. And and you've got to be there. And so the first thing you can do is build a database and then send an email to to that database on a consistent basis. And I would recommend no less than once a month. And if you want to do it more ideally, I do it every other week or even weekly.
0: You don't find like weekly becomes kind of spammy or I get lots of emails. And so they really have to have value to them if I get them weekly, I feel like exactly. Okay.
1: That's the secret. If you're going to send anything at all, it needs to be valuable. Otherwise it is spam. It doesn't matter what frequency you send it on. The difference is if you send it less frequently and it's spammy, you might be able to get away with it. If it, if it's no value, somebody might just ignore it. Whereas if you're showing up once a week mm-hmm. and every week you're reminding someone that, Hey, I'm here with no value they're Yeah. They're going to yeah. get off of your list. What we found a a direct correlation between showing up frequently and being valuable with uh, increasing the number of leads into your business. And, And so you need to figure out how am I going to communicate with people on as regular a basis as I can keep up with consistently. So if that means right now, just monthly, then start with just monthly. If it means you can do every other week, do every other week. Don't do what most people do though, which is Hey, I'm going to do a every other week email. And I, I got the first one out on time. Mm-hmm. It was on time because anytime I sent it would have been on time. And right. I got the second one out just by the skin of my teeth on time. And then I skipped the third one. I got a fourth one out a week late. I skipped the next three and you know, mm-hmm. don't do that because all you're doing there is, is communicating that you can't commit to something mm-hmm. which speaks to trust. Mm -hmm. So you want to be consistent with it. You want to show that I'm going to show up reliably. and I'm going to have something valuable for you, my future customer. Mm. And, uh, and, And in doing that, you're going to build a relationship with them over time through email.
0: Would you recommend creating 10 or 20 of them right off the rip, right to start with, and then just waiting those two weeks to put them out there?
1: You could do that. The reality is... Most business owners won't.
0: (laughs) I just feel like there's a lot of us that get stuck, especially in the air conditioning side. Uh, We're so seasonal, especially around here, that when the summer hits, if that's not already produced or generated, it's really going to be hard to take the time away from putting out the fires that come naturally with the Mm -hmm. business to create a blog post or to create this email that's going to be put out every other week.
1: Yeah. If you've got a really seasonal business, then mm-hmm. you may want to think about getting them done in advance. I would recommend for most business owners that you don't attempt to write them that. Um, okay. Really. One of the best things you can do is start a podcast. The, the reason is I've never met anyone who ever got conversation block, but I talk to people all the time who get writer's block the minute they sit down in front of Microsoft Word.
0: <laughs> yes, very much and so. And so,
1: you know, like, Tersh, I don't know, I don't know how geographically spread out your your market is. Are you a relatively local business or do you have a big geographic area you cover?
0: No, no, we're just in Savannah, the Savannah okay. area, Savannah, Georgia. So,
1: it, so what, the way I would approach a podcast in in your case would be to create the podcast and it would it would probably be something along the lines of, you know, the, the Savannah living podcast or something like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. That would be attractive to the people who, you know, you, you you're likely to do business with. Are you more commercial or residential?
0: About half and a half.
1: Okay. So it would appeal a little bit to the folks on the residential side, but what Mm -hmm. I would do for the, the commercial side is I would go around and I would interview business owners.
0: It's funny you mentioned that because I actually have another podcast that's, uh, it highlights the leaders in the community yeah. and I have, I have received some work just based off of that. And even if it wasn't the people that I interviewed, uh, those people referred me over to other, other companies. So, uh, I did a really, a really huge it company that originated here in town. And after interviewing him, he sent me several different leads of his, uh, current clients. And so, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I haven't really ever put that two and two together. I haven't and I don't put a whole whole lot of en- energy and effort into that podcast. Probably should be focusing on it a lot more than I actually do.
1: Well, so this is a way to do basically everything that we've talked about mm-hmm. all at once without having to do a lot of work. And so the the way that we use our own podcasts and and the we also produce them for clients, and the way that we teach our clients to use them is to create the podcast around you know, the, the people that you're going to invite, not about what you're in business for, because, you know, like in your case, <laughs> a podcast on, you know, air conditioning probably wouldn't be that interesting to <laughs> the, the market you're trying to reach.
0: Right. Right. Exactly.
1: But if you do it around your community and you're interviewing leaders in the community, maybe, you know, you're going and and occasionally having things featured in, it's been a, a little while since I've been to Savannah, but the there's some really interesting restaurants and some great nightlife, you know, oh, yeah. and featuring that, focusing on neighborhoods. So if you want to go in and do residential work in a particular neighborhood, you go mm-hmm. and and focus on the unique qualities of that neighborhood, you know, and then I would probably follow it with like a postcard mailing to just that neighborhood of, Hey, we just featured your neighborhood on the podcast. Here's how you listen to it.
0: That's cool. Uh,
1: You know, and so it gives you this media platform. You're now a media company, but Mm -hmm. instead of you having to sit down and bang on a keyboard and write, which is hard for most people, you can (laughs) do it by having conversations like we're having right now, where you're basically asking people questions about their business. They're bringing all the content and creating it. And then you can use that in your weekly follow-up. You can use that to build relationships with the people that can refer you. You can also then use that to create demand. So yeah. in a 30 minute interview that you do and send out weekly, so you're gonna spend maybe two hours tops over the mm-hmm. course of a month to record them. You're done with your marketing and you've accomplished all of those things.
0: Yeah, and you can, you can even pay somebody to transcribe it.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's really cool. So you said on the follow-up, there's a three part. Uh, the first part was to begin building that database for every person that contacts your business. Uh, the second part was to send those emails out, uh, out from the database at least once a month up to, uh, once a week. What was part three?
1: The third piece of this is once you're, you're sending these out on a regular basis, it's now to, and you've got that in place. It's now to look at the follow up that you do around the prospects that are actively engaging with you in, you know, at, at any given moment. And so, a great example of, of this was a client we were working with a couple of years ago, and he was getting all these leads from Zillow and Trulia. You mm-hmm. know, He was paying to get them. And so basically, as, as he explained it, it was just like a race to get in touch with these people because those leads oh, went yeah. to a whole... And, and I'm sure in, in almost every service business now, there's some kind of clearinghouse like that
0: Yep, there for is. leads, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And so he was then... He was getting those and he had this templated email that, gosh, if you printed it out, it was probably like two and a half pages long. Like all of his qualifications, the awards (laughs) that he won, like all of this stuff. You know, when I looked at it and I looked at the requests that he was getting, and I said, I know now why you're not getting any response to these. Because what you're sending to them is completely disconnected from what they're asking for. So he'd get a lead for a home and what we did is we, we, instead of giving them that big, long thing, we focused on, well, what does someone who is, has expressed interest in this home want as the next step? Well, most of the time, they want to go look at the home, mm-hmm. right? They want to go see it. So all we don't need to do anything else other than ask them, would you like to see the home? So that was the email. It was simply, you know, the, the street that it was on you know, your request about one, two, three Sesame street would, you know, and then the body of the email was, would you like to see the home?
0: That's funny. Just keep it super simple.
1: Yeah. Really, really simple. Because what we want to do with with that kind of follow-up is get that prospect engaged in a conversation back and forth in email that we can then move to the phone. And so all we wanted them to do is reply back and say yes or no, which, you know, keep it simple. Very straightforward question that they can easily answer. Okay. So they've replied back and said, yes, great. Your response then is, okay, would you like to see it tomorrow or Friday? Yeah. And he went back and forth two or three times like that. And then the next, you know, after we got about three emails in, the response back was, you know, it might be easier if we just spoke by phone for a minute. Um, This is my cell phone number. I'm going to be calling you in about two minutes.
0: It warms up that relationship. That introduction,
1: yep. That just that little bit of exchange because now they're engaged with you, and you Mm -hmm. get them on the phone, and that's really what you need to be able to to move that relationship forward.
0: I love it. That's really cool. I like that. I like keeping it simple too, and then not focusing on yourself. So at first, you were saying that he mentioned all the awards and accolades that he got. I mean, you need those that uh, proof of that you're doing something right and you're a, a decent human being, but at the same time, you can't. Make it so that it's all about me whenever you're trying to sell to a customer.
1: Yeah, you need it. And, and the point is to put it at the appropriate place in the, in the relationship. It's, it comes later.
0: Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And for anybody that's listening, make sure that you check out Steve's books, The Unstoppable Referrals, the 10X Referrals, and then Half the Effort, and then Exponential Network Strategy. Uh, and then also check out his podcast. I was listening to a couple of episodes, the Unstoppable CEO podcast, and uh, I actually checked out the one with uh, Laura with Meet Edgar. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. one of the older older episodes, I believe. But it was a really good episode, and it made me remember about Meet Edgar because I had looked into it before and then forgot about it, and so actually signed up for MeatEater um after listening to your your episode awesome. of it so That's
1: awesome. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be happy.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing everything with us and, and I look forward to talking to you again maybe maybe on referrals. Uh
1: Yeah, I would love to do
0: it. Awesome. Yeah, Thank you. And uh we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. So you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening to it all the way through. I'd like to hear your feedback. And also, if you'd like to reach out to Steve He's on LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitter's at Steve underscore Gordon and go visit his website, unstoppableceo.net slash SBM for service business mastering. You can actually go on there and download a free copy of his book, which is a nice treat. Thank you, Steve, for offering that to our listeners. Please let me know if you have any questions or feedback about this episode or any other episode topics that you'd like to hear about. I'm on most every social media platform. Tersh T-E-R-S-H-B-L-I-S-S-E-T-T. If you found value in this podcast episode, please take a second and leave us a review or as a five-star review on the podcast catcher that you're listening on. It really means the world to me. We'll talk again soon on the Service Business Mastery Podcast.